Good morning. My name is Mark Zener. I'm one of the elders here at Westchester, and it's my pleasure this morning to introduce our guest speaker this morning, Pastor Jeff Witt. Pastor Jeff and his wife, Karen, have four children, one granddaughter and a grandson on the way. Pastor Jeff served at the Madrid Evangelical Free Church for several years in the early 90s and was helped out during that time by Pastor Paul and Pastor Doug from here at Westchester. So he's long thanked God for, for the fellowship here at Westchester. He's been at New Hope Evangelical Free Church in Orange City for the past 26 years. And it was during that time that he uh, says he had the pleasure of working with Pastor Chuck for about 12 years, a couple years as an intern and then 10 years in full-time ministry. Um, he does take some responsibility for Pastor Chuck's current state. He says that when he started there, he had a full head of hair. And by the time he left, he looks a lot like he does right now. Um, but he does count Pastor Chuck as a dear friend um, and uh, continues to be a friend to him to this day. So Pastor Jeff, welcome. It is a joy uh, to be here, and uh, yeah, I could, I could share some Chuck stories, but I better not, so <laughs> another time would be a little better, but uh, I do uh, love your senior pastor and have called him a dear friend for really right at 20 years, and as Mark mentioned, probably in ways that this church wasn't aware of, you were an encouragement to me, especially during those years that I was up in Madrid. And uh, if you want to fast forward with me to November 6th, 2015, I was sitting right over here, and uh, that was the last time I had gathered to worship with you. Uh, that day was one of the hardest and worst days of my life. Uh, my family and I are still very thankful uh, to you for your friendship, your very practical care for us as you provided uh, a place uh, relationally and physically to have a memorial service for our 27-year-old our son, Ryan, uh, prior to his burial at the Veterans Cemetery uh, 15 miles west in Adel. How do you survive something like the death of a child? How do you find joy and hope uh, I'm thinking as I drove into Des Moines the other day, knowing I was speaking here, uh, being with a family during that time I was in Madrid, my wife and I out there in the waiting room as, as uh, the parents came out, uh, then one-year-old son, and, and it was cancer, and it was not good. Eventually had the funeral service for uh, Andrew a couple of years later. Maybe it's deeply broken relationships. Maybe it's the loss of a job, uh, there's every kind of trouble and calamity that's going to come, isn't there? Well, that's what I want to talk with you uh, today from God's Word. Very relevant, perhaps it won't feel real, uh, uh, hopefully you'll feel encouraged because we're dealing with real stuff. Um, I wanted to share this with you also because you're doing a series while Chuck's gone uh, on the Psalms, right? 150 psalms, and there are definitely some praise, 
Thanksgiving psalms, but if you take all the 150 from the, the Psalter, the fancy word for this uh, full complement of songs and prayers that God has given to us, uh, not that we can't sing some others, but these are good ones. Uh, the greatest, like if you put them all in a box, the biggest box would be what's commonly called lament. Deep sadness, loneliness, gut level, prayerful complaint. I don't know what other word to use for it. Offered to the Lord as prayers and songs. And so I want to share with you, in a sense, a testimony of how the Psalms, like Psalm 40 that I'm going to seek to share with you, but how the Psalms and especially the laments have literally saved me from what would otherwise be absolute despair. And restore me to a kind of expectant hope uh, a, a kind of joy, uh, and yet, honestly, there remains some sadness and turmoil, doesn't there, until Christ returns, and, and there's no more tears then, forever, no more death. I've worked on um, seeking to put Psalm 40 in my heart. Uh, I might not um, uh, recite it quite perfectly. I, would, I, I don't think I will, but I'll try but in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to open in your Bibles to that passage. But first, I want to encourage you just to listen as I seek to share this great psalm. To the choir master, a psalm of David, I waited and waited for the Lord. He bent down to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie? You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you've not delighted but you've given me open ears. In burnt offering and sin offering, you've not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of your deliverance. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord... You will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. 
for evils have encompassed me beyond number. And my iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. May those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. May those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of the Psalms. We love the whole Bible. We need the whole Bible. But thank you for this special collection of prayers and songs in which every kind of emotion and difficulty and joy is, seems to be captured. Lord, sometimes we sing a song that says, Tune my heart to sing your praise. And thank you, Lord, that as we honestly bring all of our sorrows and our sins. This text, David talks about evil surrounding him, and yet he acknowledges that in many ways the real problem is his iniquities. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who meets us in our dark places, and somehow, in ways we don't understand, helps us. Thank you for the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. O oh Lord, we need such a Savior. May it not be uh, this uh, broken pastor who would be speaking to us today, but it may be our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of our souls, come and speak with us so that we would abide with you. We give you this time, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning what I want to do is walk us briefly through this, this psalm. And it kind of falls into two parts. Uh, verses 1 to 10 and then verses 11 to 17. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to, or if you have a device, if you would turn on to Psalm 40, I think you'd be helped. Uh, we won't comment uh, on every verse. But what I want to hold out before you is what I think really is, in a sense, a two-part process for learning how to trust and treasure the Lord when life falls apart. And if life's not falling apart for you today, I'm so glad. I am. But if you live long enough, <laughs> it will. And so Psalm 40 and these Psalms of Lament are there to help us to pray alone and together so that we can learn 
how to trust and treasure God even in the worst of times. So step one, verses one to ten. God invites you and I to prayerfully remember and rejoice in his innumerable past mercy. So verses 1 to 10, David is looking back. Uh, You'll see in the superscription, it is in the Hebrew text, to the choir master. So uh, the scriptures is saying we're supposed to gather like this and sing together and be together with leaders. I loved your your prayer time earlier. Uh, Caleb and Rachel are friends. And Noah, if you're the Noah that's been at Simeon Trust, then I think I know you a little bit. We've talked a few times there. So what a joy to be here on such a day. But... This psalm comes, and and as it begins, he's looking back. uh, But what's unique about the psalm, as as I recited it, if you're familiar with the laments, usually laments go something like this. God, I'm hurting. Where are you? And then... Oh, here you are. Thank you, Lord. And he's given praise by the end of the psalm. I think Pastor Chuck preached Psalm 13 at New Hope uh, about six years ago during my sabbatical. And that's how Psalm, that's the typical pattern. But this psalm is kind of kind of the opposite. It starts off with, you put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. And at the end, I don't know if there's any, um, I'm not good at how you, I'm not really good at Spanish at all, but I uh, served with a, a, a brother Spanish pastor at New Hope, and uh, I do know the last phrase of this psalm is, Dios mios no te tardes. My God, don't be tardy. That's the end of the psalm. Psalm 40, in other words, has this opposite order, but Psalm 40 doesn't just come out of the blue. All of the psalms are in a neighborhood. And we're not going to look at the neighborhood of all 150 into which Psalm 40 fits. But if you'll turn back to Psalm 37, and I'll just summarize. Basically, Psalm 37, David is at his low ebb because of the wicked. And in verse 7, he says uh, to himself and to God's people, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Like like Psalm uh, 130 that we heard earlier. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And the whole psalm, you get to the end of it, and he's trying to encourage us in the midst of such things. Psalm 38 uh, goes a little lower because David says this. Look at verse uh, 5, or you can listen to verses 5 and following. David says, do you ever talk like this to the Lord, by the way? My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bound down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. But then what he latches on to, verse 15, there's this repetition in these four psalms. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer but see, he hasn't answered yet. And this is the background to Psalm, the first half of Psalm 40. You get to Psalm uh, 39, and I'm not sure there is a sadder line in all of the Psalter. This is the very last two verses right before our psalm begins. If you've never thought of reading the Psalms uh, and, and how they're connected, sometimes this really pops open a psalm. And this one it does. Look at uh, verse 12 and 13 of Psalm 39. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. 
for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. And then he says this to the Lord, look away from me. He's talking to God, look away from me that I might smile again before I depart and am no more. That's how low he is. He knows he can be honest with God. And then the very next verse he says, I waited. The English version say I waited patiently. The Hebrew just puts word waited, waited. It's, it's a way of intensifying. I waited and waited. And God, you bent down. You, you, you inclined to me. Literally means you bent down. You heard my cry. You lifted me up out of the pit. And praise God that this pit isn't uh, described exactly what it was because it's telling us whatever our pit is. I gave some examples at the front end. God will meet us in the pit. And he, He'll set our feet upon a rock. He'll deliver us. You might think Jeremiah. Literally, it's the same word. It's translated cistern sometimes. It's the same Hebrew word. He's in, in the muck and the mire of, a, of an empty cistern stuck to starve to death. And then he is lifted out of the pit by God's grace, right? You can read about that in Jeremiah 38. And, and even as you're reading this, do you begin to hear echoes of Jesus? This isn't just David praying, didn't Jesus go into a pit? And yet God lifted him up and gave him the victory. That's what we're celebrating and we're supposed to remember and so we're told even in, at the end of verse 3, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord as we tell our stories. And especially as we read Scripture of how God has acted in history. Uh, that's exactly what verse 4 and 5 are telling us. Blessed is the man or woman or child who makes the Lord his trust. Who doesn't turn to the proud? Who doesn't base their life on, on, on other worldviews or other ideas that are popping at us left and right, but we instead are trusting in the Lord. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. This word wondrous deeds, uh, you could translate it, uh, it's, it's really an exodus word. Your wonders, your exodus-like acts of redemption. If you turn forward to Psalm 98, and I know last week uh, Caleb taught from Psalm 96, right? And talked about a new song. Psalm 98 also talks about this new song. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. A, a fresh rendering of God's past grace and maybe current grace. So we sing it in a fresh way. For He has done, ESV translates marvelous, the same word, wonders. He's done wonders. His right hand and His, uh, his, his um, holy arm have worked salvation for him. Or as Eugene Peterson paraphrases, God rolls up his sleeves and he reaches down and he's rescued us. And what greater example is there of God's wondrous grace than what he did for us in Jesus? I kept, I kept looking at the cross as I was sharing that scripture with you because, because I think that's what David is talking about. Look at verses 6 to 8. They're actually quoted in Hebrews 10. Uh, verses 5 to 7, of Jesus directly. Who could say to the Lord, sacrifice an offering you've not delighted? I mean, when Jesus came, was he, was he supposed to offer a sheep or a bull or a goat? And it has to be done and again and again. And, and then the text literally says, but you have dug out my ears. You've, you've, you've made it so that I, I listen to you. And, 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 and Jesus is really the only one. David couldn't claim this, certainly not perfectly. 
And then he says, then I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Isn't that what the father said to Jesus as he was going into the waters of baptism? You are my beloved son with you. I'm well pleased. I mean, come with me all the way. Not, not only did Jesus um, say, and this is in John 8, 29, to his enemies, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Who, el who else could say that? Even his enemies couldn't correct him. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, what is it that Jesus prayed? Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but, but yours be done, right? We pray, not your will be done, but mine, or we act like it, don't we? But here is someone, and David is pointing forward to him, a shadow, a murky, incomplete shadow of the perfect, eternal Messiah who is going to come uh, some a thousand years after David is writing this psalm. And so Psalm 40 is saying, remember, rejoice in God's exodus mercies and all the many things he's done, and especially in the perfect life of Jesus who obeyed all the way to the cross. Never did he not trust and honor and love God. That's why he was a worthy sacrifice. That's why uh, the, the greatest example of a new song, Revelation 5, it talks about every tongue and tribe that these three are wanting to go out to tell about Jesus. But there's a worthy is the lamb, right? Because there's a worthy lamb because he always obeyed. And therefore, his blood could be a sufficient sacrifice. I just want to ask you, has God delivered you? Do you have something that inside you, in spite of your sorrows, in spite of the difficulties of providence, that we don't have to whitewash? Is there a joy because you're like, God loves me? He loves me? He's gentle and lowly. I love that in, in Mark or Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me all who are who? Just say all who have it all together, all of you who never sin, all of you who, you know, keep your nose clean. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you want to know how to, how to handle when, the, when your life falls apart, is right now and on a regular basis, treasure and love that God loves you in Jesus. Surrender if you haven't. Some today probably haven't trusted Jesus yet. Trust him. Surrender to him. Second step, in Matthew 40, verses 11 to 17, God invites you and I to bluntly and honestly lament to Him all our deepest sorrows and troubles and sins. In other words, remember the past mercies and then lament everything to the Lord. Now, we've kind of already looked at this, so we'll try to do this one a little faster because I already showed you in the context, David was already at the bottom and God reached down and gave him grace, and now he's celebrating it in the first half of Psalm 40. And then when verse 12 comes, we shouldn't be surprised, but we are, right? I mean, I wasn't anticipating having a funeral for a 27-year-old son. That dear couple wasn't expecting that their little boy was going to get cancer and they would have a funeral. I remember there in Madrid as we walked in, they wanted this song. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And little did I know that I was going to need to remember that for when I was in a similar situation. Verse 12, look at it. It's not pleasant to look at, David says. Evils, 
plural. Every kind of outside problem, circumstances, Satan himself, uh, demonic thoughts, mistreatment by others, illness, evils have surrounded me beyond number. He's like, I can't, I can't even fathom how many there are. But then he says, you know what my biggest problem is? I couldn't help but pray it when I prayed at the start. What is my biggest problem? What's your biggest problem? David says his biggest problem is himself. My iniquities have overtaken me. He's like, I'm blind. I can't see because of my own sins. As bad as evils are, God is sovereign over them. He's wanting to work good for us. But David says, my iniquities have overtaken me. And even though Chuck and I you know, have a hard time saying they're more than the hairs in my head, they're more than what the hairs that used to be on our head. And he says, my heart fails me. He's, this is despair language. Do you talk like this to God? I was encouraged to hear we kind of sang. Maybe it's not just because, you know, I'm preaching from this psalm. Maybe I, I bet you guys do that. It's not normal in my experience in the church. We tend to be like, we don't want to talk about it. Uh, it doesn't mean you're supposed to broadcast it to everyone always. But do you, do you talk like this to God? Do you, do you pray like this with one another? Um, do you share the struggles of your heart with God. Um, is there anything that you've stopped talking to God about? Psalm 40 and, and the Psalms of Lament say, we get to do this. We're allowed to say to God language like this, not shaking our fist in anger. I mean, there's people that talk like that. and That's not what Psalm 40 is respectful, but it's blunt, gut, honest. And then he's like, be pleased, oh Lord. To deliver me. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. He's desperate. Do you share that? Beware the ditch of denial. You know, we're just, we're just fine. And, and beware the ditch of despair, which is what will happen. If, but instead, we can bring all our troubles to the Lord and leverage our pain. And ask God to move us. I brought this little book. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. If this is resonating with you at all, this is a wonderful treatment of, of lament. But uh, Mark Vrogrop says that when we offer our complaints, our sorrows to the Lord, over time he moves us from pain to trust. Carl Truman, if, if, about uh, 17 years ago, wrote a little article. He says he wrote it in 45 minutes. The title is amazing. It's called, What Can Miserable Christians Sing? And then he, he notes, uh, I think this is still true in the evangelical churches, but he says the Psalms have almost entirely dropped from view in the contemporary evangelical scene. I'm not, I'm not certain why this should be, but I have an instinctive feel that it has, a little more to, uh, it has a little to do with the fact that a high proportion of the Psalter is taken up with lamentation, with feeling sad, unhappy, tormented, and broken. And in modern Western culture... These are simply not emotions which much have much credibility. And even in God's church, may it not be. The Psalms encourage us to, to, as we pray them, we get a language. We learn how to talk and pray like this. I know for uh, the first nine months after Ryan died, I found a Psalm I didn't know. I knew a lot of the Psalms. 
I, I read through the Psalter once or twice a year for the last 40 years. I didn't know Psalm 88. Maybe some of you know Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is one of the, really the only Psalm you get through the whole thing and there's no resolution. Last line, darkness is my best friend. I needed that Psalm. It's not where I spend my time now mainly, but it was for a while. I brought another little book and I gave a couple of copies to Mark. If you're interested, it's called Christ and Calamity. And here's what uh, uh, Pastor Harold Sinkbile says. He says, um, instead of whining, try lamenting. And, he, and then he, he turns us to the Psalms and he says, these Psalms of lament teach us how to file a complaint with God. And complaining isn't whining. If you've ever read your medical records, you'll know that medical complaints are simply the physical symptoms of your distress. When you go to your doctor, you're not whining. You're just explaining where you hurt. You list your complaints because you know your condition should receive attention. It may not go away. Some of the symptoms may remain, but you've got to go to someone who can do something about it. Likewise, lamenting is calling God's attention to what He already knows. You're hurting and it's no fun. And I'm thankful that you're a church that is making room for that. And I just bring in Psalm 40 to you to encourage you to do that even more. Well, notice how the psalm ends. Verse 17, David basically says, who, he remembers who he is. He says, who am I? I'm poor and needy. I'm desperate. We remember God's past mercies, especially his mercies in Jesus and even his coming mercies when Jesus returns. And we lament our, all of our current sorrows. We acknowledge our desperation. And then he says, but the Lord takes thought for me. That's the same thing. I'll take you back to verse 5. I, used, I talked about the word wonders. Uh, some of the translations paraphrase, which is fine. Your wonder steeds and your plans. The, the, the word there literally is thoughts. And so David is saying, God, in the midst of this heartache, I was sitting right there with my greatest heartache up to, up to the present day, and this psalm, and this is what's helped my wife Karen and I more than anything else to find comfort. David is saying, God, your thoughts, Psalm 139, he says, God's thoughts are written in a book before we've even lived one of them. God is sovereign. As my wife has put it, we see this much. God sees it all. He's absolutely sovereign. And David says, I'm poor and needy. God, you see it all. You've planned it all. You've given your son... And so even if it breaks my heart, even if I can't seem to utter the words, I am going to trust in you. Oh my God, do not delay. I want to close by reading the words of another dad who lost his, his oldest son. I don't, I don't know him. Some of you may um, perhaps know him or, or know of him. Toby McKeon. Anybody know the name? He's also known more popularly as Toby Mack. Some of you that know Christian music would know him. But his 21-year-old son died in a very similar way to my 27-year-old son. And about six months ago, he uh, released a song that is very Psalm 40-like. So I just want to read the words of it to you, and then, um, then I'll step down. He wrote, It might be midnight or midday. He's never early, never late. He will stand by what he claimed. I've lived enough life to say... Help is on the way. Sometimes it's days, 
Sometimes it's years. Some face a lifetime of fallen tears. But he's in the darkness, he's in the cold, just like the morning he always shows. Well, I've seen my share of troubles, but the Lord ain't failed me yet. So I'm holding on to the promise, y'all, that he's rolling up his sleeves again. It might be midnight or midday. He's never early. He's never late. He will stand by what he claimed. I lived enough life to say, help is on the way. May God give us hearts to receive his help.